Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us for this Therapeutic Thursday podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Mary Pat Wolfen, and I am a medication safety pharmacist with Cleveland Clinic. I am joined by Whitney White, who is a faculty member at Samford University and practitioner with the Birmingham VA healthcare system. We will be your co-hosts for today's episode. With us today are Lee Vasco, clinical pharmacist practitioner in primary care at the Huntsville VA outpatient clinic, and Sarah Ward, clinical pharmacy specialist in heart failure at Cleveland Clinic. Thanks for joining us today, Drs. Vasco and Ward. Thanks, Mary Pat. Excited to talk to you guys today a little bit more about telehealth and the pharmacist role. Yes, thank you for having us today. Thank you. Well, we are very grateful to have you. So let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is virtual vitals, how to provide telehealth pharmacy services. So tell us a little bit about your practice site and how you currently incorporate telehealth into your practice. So I work in a primary care clinic for the VA at a large outpatient clinic in Huntsville, Alabama, currently providing chronic disease state management using really three modalities of care, face-to-face, telephone visits, and then VA's internal VA video connect, which are those virtual video visits. VA healthcare is the nation's largest telehealth provider and has really been at the forefront of telehealth technology for about 20 years. This is mainly due to, you know, a large patient population and need for timely access to care. We've got a lot of rural patients that may not be close to our healthcare facilities as well. In 2017, some regulations came about that allowed for expansion of care in the virtual realm. And leading up to the COVID-19 pandemic, the VA was really ramping up their telehealth services and expanding dramatically prior to the pandemic. And, you know, through the growth of that in 2022, over 2.3 million patients in the VA healthcare system took advantage of the telehealth services within the VA. So, The VA is not new to telehealth, but my particular practice is expanding in that realm over the last few years as well. Yeah, so my name is Sarah Ward, and I am the outpatient heart failure pharmacist specialist at the Cleveland Clinic main campus in Cleveland, Ohio. I currently have a collaborative care agreement with the heart failure staff to manage patients' heart failure guideline-directed medical therapies and to provide medication optimization and titration. And then in addition to medication optimization, I work with pre and post heart transplant patients. So I do see patients either in person or virtually, and telehealth has had a significant impact on the clinic spaces here at Cleveland Clinic. There has been a significant increase in the number of telehealth visits that I conduct, especially since after the COVID-19 pandemic. And because of telehealth, I have been able to see more patients 
take more patient referrals and even grow the clinic from one to three pharmacists. Now, telehealth services has now become probably one of the most common ways for me to conduct my patient appointments, especially working with heart failure patients where optimization of therapy and titration of medications is crucial. You know, I'm able to get in contact with these patients and touch base with them more frequently to make those dose adjustments. A great start to our discussion today. And I want to pick up with a piece that was mentioned briefly and give this question to both of you. So how specifically has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted your day-to-day practice and patient care? Yes. So prior to the pandemic, you know, telehealth really was not the standard of care at the Cleveland Clinic. It's something that we were not used to. And it's very commonplace for patients to actually come to the clinic for their appointments. Telehealth was steadily increasing at that time prior to the pandemic, but the absolute growth and acceptance still remained pretty low. It was difficult because it brought about inadequate reimbursement. There were restrictions on where the individual party should be located for the actual telehealth appointment and what technology to use. So it really wasn't until the COVID-19 pandemic and when it hit that we saw rapid implementation of these telehealth services. And healthcare systems really didn't have a choice but to adapt and integrate telehealth into their clinics. And so we really had to find a way fast to still be able to provide quality care for our patients. The heart failure clinic during the pandemic here went from in-person to strictly virtual appointments. And this transition has significantly impacted on how I provide care today. And so now the majority of my patients that I see today are through telehealth services. Yes, I have a similar experience to Dr. Ward. The VA, like I mentioned, you know, is not new to telehealth, but maybe it was a little underutilized specifically in my practice prior to the pandemic. At that time, I was seeing 95% of my patients in a face-to-face manner, whereas now, you know, the rapid implementation of doing all virtual, now we've kind of settled back on, I see about 25 to 30% of the patients in a face-to-face while the majority are through either phone or video visits. Luckily within the VA, like I mentioned, the infrastructure was already there to provide us an avenue to perform those telehealth visits. But the primary challenge, I think, was rapid implementation of patient education and acceptance of virtual care as a new way to do things. The expansion of this has really allowed for expansion of services, allowed for more patient care visits. Typically, telephone and virtual visits are a little bit quicker visits, able to be do more in a day like we all wish we could do. So, you know, it's really just shifted the way that we deliver our day-to-day patient care directly to patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Vasco and Dr. Ward. I'm just hearing over and over again as you talk of how telehealth has just transformed the way we provide care. And maybe the COVID-19 pandemic was just what we needed to look at how this can expand the services that we can provide. So can you tell us a little bit more about how has telehealth expanded the role of the pharmacist specifically in patient care and what specific services can pharmacists now provide? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel that telehealth really allows pharmacists to expand their scope of practice as well as work at the top of their license. 
So here at Cleveland Clinic with telehealth services, we have seen an increase in collaboration with pharmacists and providers through the creation of collaborative care agreements. So this is where pharmacists are able to help manage certain disease states and prescribe under a physician. For example, that's exactly what I do on my day-to-day with my heart failure patients. I'm allowed to make adjustments start, stop, discuss specific cardiovascular therapies that are stated under my collaborative care agreement. Additionally, telehealth also allows pharmacists to really work independently, and this has led to many pharmacist-led clinics. The heart failure clinic is just one of the pharmacy-led clinics at Cleveland Clinic, but we also have many primary care clinics, transplant, endocrine clinics, expanding into preventative cardiology that are also pharmacy-led. And then lastly, I do feel that having virtual appointment options has really increased the flexibility of a pharmacist schedule. And this is something that Dr. Vasco had mentioned as well. It does allow for quicker expansion of services. So here with the Cleveland Clinic and the heart failure department, we not only see heart failure patients who are already established with a heart failure physician, but because of the telehealth, we are now able to expand to a lot of services such as general cardiology to help with medication management. Yeah, so in my practice, I think is a little bit different than Dr. Ward. If you're not familiar with the VA, the clinical pharmacist practitioners, they work under, we work under a scope of practice, and we have been independently managing chronic disease states and primary care and other areas of the healthcare facility for some time. But the expansion of the telehealth services, I think, have allowed us to maybe focus on other disease states we weren't primarily using previously. Most disease states that pharmacists routinely manage can be done virtually, especially if you have patients that are willing and able to monitor their vitals and things that you need at home. I think it has allowed for better care just because how many times do, you know, if you're seeing a face-to-face patient, they forget their medications, they forget their log at home. If you're meeting with them in their home, you know, you can say, can you go get all of your medications? Can you go get your glucometer or the information that you're needing? And so it allows for better patient care. It allows for more frequent care, I think, which can lead to, you know, decreased admissions or decreased complications from uncontrolled disease states. Like Dr. Ward mentioned, it's provided flexibility in the pharmacist work schedule. I'm able to do some teleworking, which is very nice and provides great job satisfaction. And it also allows for you to be able to take care of patients in a wider area, you know, so again, the VA has a lot of rural patients that may not have a close VA facility to them. So specifically, I have patients that live over an hour away that just doesn't make it feasible. So we're able to capture those patients who may not have been able to benefit from seeing a pharmacist for chronic disease state management. And I think we know that pharmacists play a big role in disease state management and pharmacotherapy outcomes. So just being able to capture more patients, I think has been the greatest advantage to us. Thank you, Dr. Vasco and Dr. Ward for those comments that really highlight the value that the pharmacist brings to the team and how we can effectively utilize our skills and training 
to deliver patient care. And I want to shift the focus a little bit with our next couple of questions about the patient experience and diving into that a little bit deeper. So how are healthcare providers and pharmacists adapting their practices to ensure quality care and effective patient engagement through virtual interactions? Yeah, so I talked about this a little bit previously before, but transitioning to telehealth has led to more multidisciplinary approaches to care. And so treating the complete patient really constitutes a key objective in heart failure care, as well as many other disease states. And achieving that involves forming a multidisciplinary team. There is so much intersection that I see with my cardiology patients with metabolic diseases, treatment in electrophysiology, preventative cardiology, the renal team, that telehealth really has allowed to expand the patient's care team and enhance communication between these various services. So also here at Cleveland Clinic, telehealth has also allowed us to have closer follow-up with our patients post-discharge. So we see an increase in transitions of care practices and transition of care workflows and pathways. And it's very important to have those established, especially if we're trying to keep patients out of the hospital, reduce hospital readmission rates. So we have a transition of care pharmacist that calls the patient one week post-discharge, make sure the patients have received their medication answers any questions regarding their new therapy, and also helps to triage any issues that may have come up since discharge. And then shortly after that, the patient will either see the provider, an advanced practitioner, or myself to start with medication optimization and titration. So telehealth allows for multiple touch points with the patients. And with that, we're able to provide quality care for our patients. My practice, I think one of the things that makes for effective patient engagement through those virtual interactions is the use of other telehealth technologies. So specifically, I mentioned I do chronic disease state management, mostly diabetes, hypertension, some COPD, some other things that we need in in order for patient visits to be effective for us to be able to make pharmacotherapy changes and titrations, we need a lot of information from the patient. So we have through the VA, our home telehealth program that allows for patients to upload their vitals ahead of time, daily reminders for them to, you know, conduct a blood pressure check and to do a finger stick blood sugar. And it automatically kind of gets stored and submitted for us to kind of look through the use and growing expansion of continuous glucose monitors in my practice and able to make those connections so that I'm able to review all of that information and able to, you know, effectively make use of our time and make those pharmacotherapy changes. I think that has been a big benefit watching patients do their vitals in front of you. If you're on a virtual video visit, you're able to make sure they're using good technique of blood pressure monitoring at home. It's also important that we assess appropriateness of patients for virtual care. There are some patients we probably need to see in person. And so I think that's kind of how One of the roles that we have to decide, you know, is this patient too high of acuity? Do we need to have them come in in person? And that's another way to just ensure we're providing quality care and able to do all the things that we need to do for the patient if they're not appropriate for virtual care. Thank you both for talking about the patient experience. And it sounds to me that 
telehealth largely is allowing access for pharmacists to have not only the information that they need from the patient at their fingertips, but also I'm hearing that we can also assess the way patients are taking care of themselves at home to make sure that they are optimizing their own care. So I just wanted to transition a little bit because I heard a little bit from you, Dr. Vasco, that maybe telehealth is not a one-size-fits-all, but can you both share a little bit about how are pharmacists promoting patient empowerment and self-management of these medications through remote consultation? And in addition, how have your patients responded to telehealth as a method of receiving their care? So telehealth is such a powerful tool, I believe, for patients' continuous education, also to empower them and to enhance therapy adherence. So during my telehealth visits, I do spend a lot of time going through disease state education as well as medication education. And so I talk a lot about, you know, the pathophysiology of the disease state. I explain to them what is happening, why they're feeling the way they are. They more than likely have heard this before from previous encounters, but, you know, pharmacists can help to reinforce this education through these telehealth services. And they're able to answer any questions that patients may have about their disease as well as their medications to really make sure that patients are on board with their care and understanding what's going on. As I previously mentioned, we spend a lot of time as pharmacists discussing medications. So with my patients, I spend a lot of time explaining to them why we are optimizing and making adjustments to their medications. What are the benefits all these medications. And I found that when pharmacists take the time to provide this education, this not only increases the patient's understanding, but they're more willing to work with you, feel more empowered, trust you, trust your recommendations. And it actually allows patients to become more in control. So being able to see the patients virtually and kind of similar to what Dr. Vasco said, kind of walking them through like how to check your blood pressure, encourage them when they do a great job and that they're listening to recommendations. I see a lot of my patients that they get excited when their blood pressure is starting to decrease or they start feeling better and their quality of life improves. So overall, I think my patients really enjoy and actually prefer these virtual appointments. I know that the majority of my patients have a very large healthcare provider team. So being able to be able to see the patient virtually is very convenient for them. I completely agree with Dr. Ward. I think pharmacists play a very unique role because we are the medication experts. And a lot of times we focus on, you know, what are the medication changes that we need to make, but also that piece of patient education. Arguably, I think that is where pharmacists can really excel, whether it's the disease state education or just trying to help them through the barriers that are keeping them from taking care of themselves in the best way or taking their medications, trying to figure out how use of pill boxes or simplification of the medication regimen and taking the time to kind of help give them the skills for self-management, particularly in my role and my 
disease states that I typically manage, that's key to getting those patients to goal of where they need to be. And so not only are we medication experts, but I like to think we're also very good at patient education and explaining in a way that makes them, you know, trust what your recommendation is. And, you know, there's lots of stigmas out there about, you know, being on medications or certain medications. And I think when you can build that trust with a patient, then real change can happen. And I agree that virtually it cuts down on, you know, they're having to come and see another provider when they may have, you know, constant in-person visits. So it's kind of helpful. And usually they're a little bit more receptive to changes after those discussions. And I do think initially it was a hard transition. Most of my patients are elderly patients, geriatric patients who may have been initially very concerned about the quality of care that can come from virtual visits. But I think once they try it, they realize the benefit of them not having to drive and park and all of those things and get here. They really have adapted and are much more accepting of these virtual visits that now, you know, in the post-COVID world we live in, I think it's a lot more accepted. But I think also we have proven that we're able to provide just as good of care through those visits. Thank you both for sharing your experiences with patient engagement and the importance of that in delivering telehealth. I want to circle back to something that Dr. Vasco touched on earlier, continuing our discussion on the patient experience, but telehealth has the potential to improve access to healthcare in rural and underserved areas. Can you both share some success stories that demonstrate its impact on these communities? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't have one particular success story, but I have seen with my clinic that with these telehealth services, it definitely improves healthcare accessibility and reduces geographic inequality. So, you know, I have a few patients who have issues in finding transportation to and from their appointments. And so being able to hop on a video or a telephone chat allows us to kind of prevent those no-show rates for these patients and still be able to continue their care and touch base with them. With telehealth, we really are meeting the patients where they are at, and I think they are very much appreciative of that. It's more convenient for them. And um, the more and more that I provide telehealth visits in my clinic, the more people are wanting to continue care with those means. Yeah. So I have a particular patient that I think about whenever I get asked this question and a patient of mine who longstanding history of very uncontrolled diabetes with multiple complications that have happened over the years, chronic wounds, amputations, poor renal function, and just not been able to have the follow-up that he needed because he lives over an hour away from the nearest VA facility in a very remote part of Alabama. And honestly, you know, poor adherence, compliance with diet and monitoring his blood sugars and really couldn't make it to visits as he should be. And so for many, many years, greater than 10 years, he had terribly uncontrolled diabetes to the point where the physicians and even myself, to some extent, had kind of I don't want to say given up, but just we're out of really, you know, good options to help him. 
the other challenge, I considered doing telehealth with him, but the other challenge was he didn't have any internet access where he lived. He doesn't have great phone service. And so uniquely within the VA, we're able to kind of help with some of those barriers. So we were able to get him, you know, an internet access device in his home. I also got him set up with our home telehealth program for monitoring and reporting and recording his vitals. And then through that digital device that we were able to get him, you could just call for a video visit on there. So didn't take a whole lot of skill, easy to use, and we could just be virtually connected instantly. And through that, we started to see slowly but surely, some improvements. And finally, for the first time, like I said, in over 10 years when he was not well controlled, we finally were able to do the frequent follow-up enough to overcome those challenges, if you will, and finally got his diabetes at goal. He's doing very well, stable. We continue to kind of follow up with him, even though he's in a good place, just to kind of help with those compliance and adherence issues and make sure that we stay on the right track. But I think we would not have been able to achieve that if we didn't have the ability to kind of shift his care in a different way and the resources that we had to be able to provide that to him, which I think is still kind of a challenge for a lot of patients. But I think if we can continue to expand in that area, we can reach and serve even more patients that really need more frequent care in their home. Dr. Vasco, thank you so much for taking the time to share this patient success story. I'm just especially touched by that story and how you took the extra initiative to get them set up with internet connection. And I'm sure that is going to enrich his life throughout other areas, not only in his healthcare. And Dr. Ward, I love how you mentioned that telehealth allows us to reach patients where they are. And I wanted to explore that a little bit more. So as we look to the future with potentially increased utilization of telehealth, what are some areas of improvement that we need to consider to continue to deliver the best care to our patients? Yeah, that's a great question. So as previously mentioned, like, no, not all patients have access to this virtual technology. They may have poor internet access as well. So Providing these services may be limited for patients who don't have this. So that's something that you need to consider and make sure you're asking your patients before you set up any of these appointments, whether or not they are able to to actually conduct these services. Additionally, there's also a question and concern in regarding like how reliable are these patients in monitoring their ambulatory vitals, their blood pressure, heart rate, weighing themselves, checking their sugars, et cetera. With video component, you can ask the patient to check their blood pressure, heart rate. You can show them how that they're monitoring and managing their care. But sometimes, you know, we don't know what we don't know what we can't see. So once we're not there and not having conducted that appointment with them, then we're not 100% sure like how reliable they are in checking their blood pressure daily. So there has to be a lot of trust involved with you and the patient. And then lastly, as far as area of improvement is that telehealth really requires good communication skills. So sometimes not being able to see the patient in person can sometimes make it difficult to assess the patient or provide like an accurate physical assessment of the patient. So you need to ask a lot of open-ended questions sometimes to really understand what exactly is going on with the patient and to get kind of the truth out of what's going on. I agree with 
all Dr. Ward said, and I just wanted to touch on a few more things. Again, the access to resources for the patients, there are barriers in that regard, more resources for us to be able to get patients access to be able to provide care this way. Education to patients, I think is really important and a potential barrier or things we've got to overcome because we still have some patients who are concerned about receiving their care virtually. And I think just trying to kind of make sure that they understand, you know, that we are trying to take care of them in just a different way. And if it's not the best way, we can always change it. But that patient perception, I think is still kind of something that we have to keep battling or keep working on. I think One of my biggest challenges, I will say, is as we all know, technology can be really, really great. But when it doesn't work, it's very challenging. So either, you know, I mentioned that the VA has a internal video system. And sometimes that is, you know, you're sitting there waiting for the patient and there's just something wrong and they're not connecting and it's a lot of troubleshooting and sometimes it's not always reliable. So that can be a little bit of a challenge, but I think as we continue to move forward, we'll see improvements in technology that will allow us to kind of continue to expand even further. I know specifically in the VA, we also outside of pharmacy, we have a lot of providers that maybe we're taking care of patients here in Huntsville, Alabama, but the provider may be located in Georgia or another state. And we've got devices that allow them to kind of hear on a stethoscope. So the nurse would put the stethoscope up to the patient's heart, but then it virtually transmits that back to the provider. So I think there's going to be more advancements in devices that we can get for patients to make those virtual vitals a little bit more accurate and make us feel more comfortable. So I think there's only going to be more and more improvements because I do believe this is the kind of future of how we deliver medicine to patients. I love that, Dr. Vasco. Very exciting stuff coming for us, hopefully improvements in telehealth. And to round out our conversation today, what advice would each of you give to a pharmacist practitioner who would like to incorporate more telehealth into his or her practice? Yeah, so I think having a good team with provider support is important. So the importance of having healthcare providers endorse these pharmacist-led initiatives really lies in their potential to enhance patient care and outcomes. So having that good provider support, and then additionally, having a good work group and some things to just identify with the work group is one, identify the specific healthcare services as a pharmacist that you want to provide through the virtual clinic. And then two, really familiarize yourself with the chosen platforms. So the features that are included, like for video calls, messaging, sharing documentation, such as educational materials to your patients, and then also a plan B if technology fails, which is something that Dr. Vesco mentioned as well. Thirdly, determine how these appointments will be scheduled and then creating a template for your EMR documentation. So these are just some of the things that if you have a good work group as well as provider support, the things that you can work through in order to kind of get your clinic up and running. So there's a lot of prep work that really goes into starting the clinic, creating that collaborative care agreement. So having that provider support and work group is extremely important. So as a provider, I was initially kind of hesitant to jump on board with the telehealth program. It can seem a little overwhelming. The logistics, patient perception, 
those quality of care concerns that we talked about, it just kind of seemed like it might be more of a hassle. But I really want to encourage anyone who is considering it to put in that work that Dr. Ward just kind of mentioned to have a good solid plan to include other stakeholders that would be involved, kind of come up with all the pieces that you think you need and start with maybe just a small group of patients or just, you know, one virtual visit a day or a few virtual visits a day, because it has been an overwhelmingly positive experience in my practice for patients, for me as a healthcare provider. I think that it is important that you have a solid kind of plan. And like I said, just start with a small group of patients and see how it goes. And you can continue to expand from there. This has been such an awesome discussion today with our two guests. Thank you, Drs. Fasco and Ward, for joining us for today's episode of Therapeutic Thursdays. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHB's clinical resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as resource centers, including those on critical care, nutrition support, opioid management, infectious diseases, and more. Other offerings include the Credentialing and Privileging Resource Center, the Preceptor Toolkit, and forums such as the ASHP section of Inpatient Care Practitioners Connect Community, where you can exchange ideas and post questions with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Therapeutic Thursdays, and join us here every Thursday, where we will be talking to content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.